Good morning, America. So guess what? I am standing on the side of the beach in South Africa in a place called Cape Town overlooking the ocean and that beautiful, beautiful scene of the Table Mountains. And it is a beautiful day here in South Africa. The sun is shining. The It is a beautiful day. Not a cloud in the sky. Uh, can I call it a cloud? I don't know. It's like, It seems like somebody's painted with the white over the blue but it's very very beautiful it's a beautiful sunny day and i can tell you maybe you can hear the the waves uh, crashing against the um, rocks uh, in uh, at on the beach this is where my location is today what a pleasure and i trust that uh, you can hear me loud and clear unfortunately my friends have been uh, stuck in meetings old carlos vieira in south africa he said he, he'll pop in if he can and then uh, carlos camara there in new jersey is on his way in a bus to the city so morning, uh, yeah. <laughs> there we go there we go you can say your own uh, good morning then carlos <laughs> uh, morning ivan and morning to the listeners it's still uh, pretty dark where i am i'm actually i just arrived at the bus depot um, to make my way into the city. But yeah, I'm listening. Um, I'll try to be involved as much as I can, Ivan. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, Carlos. You know, the one thing about my team of friends, we don't let each other down. <laughs> we've made the decisions in the men in Christ that what we do is we've changed an opinion. There was once upon a time a thought that the army of Christ is the most feared of all armies in the world because it is the only army that leaves its wounded behind and in some instances we go back and bayonet and finish them off ourselves and I can tell you in the men in Christ the, our little group of men in South Africa like-minded men that are out there to try and make men feel that they are wanted men are the home uh, the heads of the home under god not to use your family as doormats but to encourage them to become great citizens to look at your children and your children look at you as a father and say this is my dad and i'm so proud of him and your wife when she looks at you she says that's my man that's my man and I'm so thankful that I've got a man like him. So, yes, that's what we do. And we've got a motto found in Proverbs 27, verse 17, that says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And that's what it's all about, to uplift one another, to, to encourage one another. Those moments of doubt, those moments of uncertainty, those moments of fear, those moments of being alone uh, and sad need not be like that because... You've always got a friend, even if he's at the bus depot, on the bus, riding somewhere on his way to New York. But he is there for his buddy Ivan, who's sitting on the beach in Cape Town. <laughs> what? Somebody's got to do it, Carlos. Somebody's yeah, got to do it. You're right, Ivan. And yeah, you're sitting on a beach and I'm catching a bus. That's just not cricket, man. <laughs> um, but Ivan, as you were speaking, I was thinking about, does, I don't know if it's out of the, the Jungle Book. What's that song about a friend in need is a friend indeed. There's some song. Oh, yeah. um, 
that you got me going there this morning. Um, but yes, exactly. I mean, it is about having each other's back. Iron sharpens iron, just being there for each other and stuff like that as much as we can. Um, obviously, being in a confined space called the bus, I can only share so much. So, um, yeah, yeah, let's see how it goes. So, you carry on talking, brother. I think what you must yep. do is share your last two weeks because you've had a very awesome time the last two weeks. Yeah, it has been great. But as I'm sitting here, I'm, you know, there's, there's people walking on the beach with their dogs. And, you know, in Cape Town, they've got a beautiful way of doing things. They've actually got rolls of plastic bags. And it's got a little note that says, if your dog makes a poop, please pick it up. And I tell you, you pick it up and you actually just discard it in a rubbish waste bin on the sides. And that's it. So the beaches do not have any... Uh, doggy poop laying around if you want to call it that and as I'm sitting here there's a guy walking on the rocks and he's looking overlooking and my word a seal just came out and it's right in front of me as I'm speaking to you it's actually just looking around for fish I suppose to eat and it's and it's just amazing so the Americans have a, a navy seal uh, but we've got our own little seals here in the ocean and they've got nothing on the Navy SEALs of the Americas. <laughs> but yes, Carlos, you're so right. We've had some, we've had an amazing two weeks. I don't know if the, uh, if our listeners know, uh, maybe you do. Um, Ivan and Olga got married this uh, two Saturdays ago um, on the 7th of October. And we had a little ceremony. Um, I married a Portuguese lady. And the Portuguese are renowned uh, for having a, a wedding, but not small weddings. They usually have a lot of family and cousins and friends and all the acquaintances that they've met throughout their lives, etc., etc. And we had a very, very small little win, uh, uh, wedding ceremony. There was just over 100 people, but it was family and friends that was close to us. And some of them could not make it. Like Carlos, he was in America. And uh, we had a live stream of the wedding. Unfortunately, Father Joseph, our <laughs> priest that, that uh, married us, decided not to put on his microphone that would connect to the live stream. So you can see pictures of us. And it's all just background noise. You can't really hear much. The fact is, we got married on the 7th of October. It was a lovely marriage. It was a lovely wedding. It was a lovely ceremony. It was surreal uh, in a sense that I got divorced in 2011. And so I. it's been a lonely ride, a solo ride. Um I've done everything prayerfully. I've asked God to supply me with the woman of my dreams. I had a list that I wanted. And anybody who knows anything about our relationship, Olga and I, I asked specifically, Lord, I needed a Portuguese woman. I wanted a woman with a Barbara Streisand, Steffi Graf, uh, Gabriela Sabatini type of nose, I think women with those type of noses are beautiful, although women with those type of noses usually think they are horrible and they just want to cut their noses and, 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 and trim it, etc., etc. But I asked God for, for that in a very particular 
set of things um, that I really wanted. And I know that beauty comes from within, but the fact is I wanted a specific looking type of person. And God honored that because anybody who's met Olga will say, wow, that's the woman that you actually had a list and prayed for. And I remember one of my business partners at the time, Jose Cardozo, he would always inquire about the status of my wife in waiting, that I was waiting for my answered prayer. And I would say, well, I'm still waiting. And he would say, come on, Ivan, are you, are you really looking, brother? And I said, of course I'm looking. But I've asked God for a specific woman, and I'm waiting for her. And you know, God answers specific prayers. And we as believers, we don't sometimes uh, fully understand the reality of prayer. Many a times we pray and say, oh Lord, can you do this and this and this? But we're not specific and we wonder why it's taking forever or it does not even materialize. But the fact is, I asked specifically, I wanted a Portuguese woman and guess what? Olga, who is Portuguese and is now my wife, she prayed and asked God that she wanted a, a man that would love her, a man that walks with God and has a specific, strong relationship with God, but she wanted an Afrikaans-speaking man. Now, that is a very odd thing from a Portuguese perspective, because as Carlos Camara will tell you, the Portuguese tend to marry Portuguese people. <laughs> keep it in the family as such and but Olga wanted an Afrikaans guy and Ivan wanted a Portuguese woman and there we are today we are now husband and wife we got married on the 7th of October and it was a very special moment a special day invited friends and family and it was shared amongst great it was just lovely and we obviously moved down from Johannesburg. We are now settled in Cape Town. And obviously, there's been a lot of unpacking of boxes. <laughs> in between, I'm trying to get to the honeymoon, Carlos. But uh, yeah, we've been having honeymoon and unpacking boxes and some more honeymoon and some more unpacking of boxes. Um, I don't know if I've lost uh, contact here. Oh, perfect, perfect. Sorry. I just had an incoming call and usually it cuts me off. So I just cut it. Sorry. Um, but anyway, I was just uh, 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 keeping it in the family. And we're, we're, we've only in the last two weeks been able to go and walk on the beach twice. Um, it's been fantastic, though. The weather's been fantastic. Um, Cape Town is a beautiful destination. If you guys ever come to South Africa, you definitely have to make contact with me. I'll definitely show you around. Uh, there are beautiful uh, holiday destinations. Uh, it's a very safe environment. It's a very picturesque, scenic place. In fact, this morning, I, I stopped uh, one of the cyclists um, busy cycling. I drove past him with my Bucky or my LDV, um, whatever they call it. 
um, and I and I stopped and I climbed out and I stopped him and I said, listen, explain to me these lanes for bicycles because they've got specific lanes for bicycles to ride and I've got a beautiful bicycle and I enjoy riding it but I'm not as competitive, not even close as Carlos Vieira because he does hundreds of kilometers per event and uh, I don't do that type of thing but I, I can tell you riding on the side of the ocean, I, I think I could do a couple of uh, kilometers because it's scenic and, and it's it's beautiful, it's not monotonous, it's it's actually uh, breathtaking. So I asked them to explain the whole idea of bicycle lanes because people are quite, um, uh, what can I say, specific. They don't appreciate cyclists riding in the road um, because they spend quite a lot of money making these specific... Uh, lanes for bicycles and walkers so that the traffic flow will not be impeded in any way. So that's that's what's been happening. I'm trying to find my way around Cape Town, find all these incredible uh, 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 lanes for the bicycles, etc. And it's it, 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 it was explained to me in a nice way. It's a very safe environment to ride your bicycles. And um, yeah, it's, it's just beautiful. And I will be doing a lot of uh, cycling and there's a lot of, you know, they've got wine farms around. They make exceptional wines in the Cape, the Western Cape. The fruit is like heaven. It's like paradise, actually. Uh, you don't realize how fresh fruit actually is and until you're actually in a farming type of environment where a lot of the produce here, with, uh, fruit, vegetables, um, wines, etc., are sent all over the world from this destination. So it is definitely a very, very uh, specifically beautiful place to come and visit if you visit South Africa. And it really gives you a, a sense of Europe in a way. Um, there's a lot of Europeans that come and visit, a lot of Americans for sure. We've I've spotted quite a lot of Germans as well. The Germans are easy to spot because they usually have sandals with white socks on for some reason. And uh, yeah, in South Africa, we don't walk around with sandals and socks. <laughs> we, we just have sandals on like I have right now. And the fact is, you've got a wide variety of people from all over the world coming here. And you're getting exceptional value in that if you've got a dollar, it's probably about 19 rand, South African rand, to one dollar. So if you're coming down with a thousand dollars, you've got 19,000 rand. And I can tell you, 19,000 rand will take you far in South Africa. And it's very scenic and it's very beautiful. So if you guys are ever in South Africa, if you've ever come to visit, uh, Cape Town, please give us a call. I can definitely point you in the right direction, give you a lot of these places to stay at fair prices, uh, good, safe environment, clean um, foods. Food is exceptional here. Um, the, the, the feedback that I get from visitors from abroad, they tell you that, you know, in America you pay quite a lot of money for a steak uh, or a plate of uh, a decent food and a bottle of wine, it'll set you back quite a few dollars. 
And in South Africa, believe me, if you convert it from dollars or from rands in back into dollars, it's probably the same f uh, uh, money that you might spend for fish and chips at McDonald's in America. You could have an exceptional uh, evening out um, in South Africa with a with rand dollar exchange. But be it as it may, the two weeks has been exceptional. I've I've really had a good time. We we our our honeymoon will continue until the end. Now um, we will uh, be together. Um, we're going to. Uh, we've invited God as our skipper, our captain of our ship, and uh, until death do us part, uh, that we will. We will serve him in, in the best possible way we can uh, on the platforms that, that is available for us to do it. And that's, that's, that's what it's about, to live our lives to the glory of God and to be able to share the reality of God with others as well. Um, I'm, Carlos, are you still there? No? Anyway, Carlos is obviously uh, uh, driving the bus. Um, but the fact of it is... I read a very interesting uh, note this morning on one of our groups, and I'd like to share it with you guys in a sense that it, it made a lot of sense. It says that if you think of it, forgiveness, forgiveness is not an option. It's not an a, a, a emotion. It's a decision we have to make. And when we make a decision, our decision is that we will do something and act upon it. And if you think of it, forgiving someone who has hurt you deeply is one of the most difficult things you'll ever be asked to do. You know that you must forgive, for nursing a grudge is like nursing a baby. Anything you feed and nurture will continue to grow, but that doesn't make forgiving easy. Try and understand this. Forgiveness is a decision, not an emotion. If you wait until you feel like forgiving, you risk remaining trapped in the torture of resentment. When Peter asked Jesus how often he should forgive someone who has offended him, Jesus replied, 70 times 7. That's found in Matthew 18, verses 22. In other words, forgive and keep on forgiving until you get beyond it. But note four things. Forgiveness does not mean you must resume a relationship with the offender, especially if they are unrepentant and refuse to change their behavior. It does not mean condoning what they did or agreeing with them. It doesn't let them off the hook. It lets you off the hook and enables you to get on with your life. It doesn't mean you won't be able to remember it, but that you will have the power to think about it differently, graciously rather than resentfully. And one more thought. Don't let Satan convince you that you haven't forgiven just because you still remember. The ability to forgive is learning behavior. 
right now there's a helicopter passing me. My word. I could actually reach out and touch the guy in the cockpit. There he goes. Anyway, the ability to forgive is a learned behavior. The more you practice it, the better you get at it. It happens when you look for ways to extend understanding to your offender and find something to be compassionate about. How's that? That having resentment and unforgiveness, you are nurturing it like you would nurture a baby. Now, can you imagine? I mean, I've got two children. I'm blessed to have two. And then Olga's got three of them. So now we've got a family of five children. And the fact is, you've nurtured these kids since, since they were born. And how much time and effort it takes, dirty nappies, uh, coaching at the most incredible, inconvenient times. You're never able to be on time anymore because baby decides it's going to start crying right now or needs a nappy change or needs some food or needs whatever. And we just have to fall in line. And maybe, maybe that's the thing we need to, as human beings, as adults, start thinking about a little more. And that is, what are we nurturing? And why are we nurturing it? Why are we nurturing hatred towards people or unforgiveness and frustration? And I once heard that if you have resentment or unforgiveness towards somebody else, it's like drinking poison and hoping that they would die. It's not going to happen. And here comes the helicopter back again. There he goes. And my oh my, he's, he's flying past. It's a little maroon one. It's actually just like a two-seater helicopter. And it's a guy having fun. And he's going around on the coastline and obviously having a scenic view of both the sea, the beach, the environment. And he's, he's, I can tell you right now, he's a couple of feet off the ground. Uh, it's definitely not not high off the ground but something else that's also in america uh, in in south africa that's very american um i think it was the ue helicopter that the um, american soldiers used in vietnam there's uh, two or three of them that fly around but one distinctive feature of it is the noise it makes the engine noise you can hear it from far away uh, when they start coming. You don't even see them. You can't even see them as a speck, but you can hear that thunder of those, the, the motor and the blades coming. And my word, it is, it is a beautiful, spectacular machine. Definitely nice to go and have a flip in it. I did. Um, and you can actually go over the ocean, go to the uh, table uh, mountain which is really majestic and I'm I'm sorry I can't actually send you pictures because I'm speaking to you over my I'm speaking to you over my phone at the moment and uh, we're going to have a break now and uh, give me a breather but uh, when we come back we can have another chat about this beautiful place called Cape Town
America. And this is Ivan speaking, your host from across the pond, a little further than the pond in the UK. I am on location in the Cape, overlooking the ocean, the majestic Table Mountain, and it is just beautiful. It's a beautiful day. The sun is shining. It's a beautiful summer's day. I'm definitely getting a good tan. And I've got a little Yorkie who's decided that he is going to bark at some people behind us uh, walking past me uh, in studio on the beach. But, hey, somebody's got to do this, hey, right? <laughs> I'm glad I could do it. But any case, what a beautiful day it is. It's a beautiful sunny day. The, the, there's no real wind other than the waves coming in and hitting the rocks and then obviously going back and redoing this whole thing again. And it's just beautiful and scenic. And I'm thrilled to be part of the team that is able to bring the good news from across the ocean to our American listeners. And it's so encouraging to know that we've got family all over the world, although we don't even know you guys, but we do know you through our one goal. And our goal is to serve the Lord with all our heart. And that's it. We've got to live this life to the full, to the best of our ability, to the glory of God. And then, obviously, to try and emulate our saints, to be like them and what they did. Because remember one thing, they were normal people like you and I, but they just spent a lot of time, time with God in prayer, in searching scripture and becoming like-minded and searching and sharing the good news. Because after all, we've been told by Jesus to go and tell the world, tell the world the good news. And the reality of it is that we have the reality of peace. We can make a choice. We can make a decision. We can live in harmony and peace with one another. We're stuck in a situation where the news is dominated at the moment with the Israelites being hammered once again by various enemies. Um, and, and, and horrific news is coming through. To think that people could come into a place where people are having a festivity or walk into a home and cut off children's heads is beyond me. Uh, I was in the military myself. I understand that there are times that we have to follow orders and do things. But to cut off the heads of a defenseless child was something I have never experienced. I've never seen. I've never experienced it. I've never seen any of my fellow soldiers do it. Because there are certain things you just don't do. And that's one of them. And the sad part is that there are people who are prepared to go beyond that type of thing and actually just do the most horrific sad events and the craziest part is we as 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 citizens of the world look and see what's happening and i remember last night we were going to speak about israel and i said let's talk about israel and what's happening the attacks on israel from you know what's just happened and carlos camara actually popped up and said such a true a true line. He said, but Ivan, that's nothing new. The Israelites have been under attack since the time of Joshua and Moses. And the fact is, they've, they've survived it. Why? Because God is with them. 
And that's what we've got to do. We've got to lift them all up in prayer. My prayer is very specific as well, that God would protect our Israelite friends, our, our families, our citizens who are in Israel at the moment, who are having to face up to this incredible enemy and attacks, brutal attacks. And it seems like they're alone. But we also know that in Scripture we've, we have endless, endless uh, examples of when the Israelites, God's people, were under attack, that God would enter the fray and He would scatter and confuse the enemy. And He would actually get them to fight one another. So my prayer is that whoever is against Israel at the moment and its people will be unable to regroup will not be able to um, be united in their efforts to try and destroy Israel, but that they would be confused and scattered and made to, to, to fight amongst themselves and not, not innocent people. So, yeah, our prayers and thoughts go out to everybody involved in this. And it's just the saddest, craziest thing in the world to know that politicians can allow this type of things happening, these wars that, that, that people think is okay to happen, and the cruelty of it. I myself have spent, as a South African, we were part of a national uh, system that it was compulsory for any youth to go through. Uh, we had to go through military training, and we had to go to, to the armed forces, etc. And the craziest part is that in hindsight, you look back and you think to yourself, why is it that we had to go through these wars, the losses of lives, people being dismembered and crippled for life, families being affected by the atrocities of war and the injuries of war, the collateral damage that they cause, that they call. Politicians call collateral damage where a bomb is thrown on innocent people um, and they are murdered or killed and it's collateral damage. It's just part of war. And the crazy part is that these very politicians that are so eager to always go to war, their families are safe and secure somewhere else. They're not on the front line. They're not out there spill, spilling their blood, but somebody else's children are expected to go and spill their blood. So I've got a specific view on this in which I've, I've shared before and I keep on sharing. And that is very simple. My, my thoughts are this. Any president or politician who wants to go to war, and it's in my time and, and, and in my country, I will say, fair enough, Mr. President, we go to war with your son and your, your son-in-law and your cousin, everybody next to me and my son and my cousins and whatever, and we will not be one meter ahead of you or one meter ahead, uh, behind you. We will be in, in, in line, in step with one another to ensure that nobody places themselves in the line of fire where somebody else is not in the line of fire. And I can tell you what happens when politicians are forced to actually now go into war themselves. They quickly find ways to make peace and sign a peace accord because they themselves do not want to get into harm's way. But it's okay for somebody else's lives to be put into danger, etc. And I've got a dog that's now decided 
to come out and bark at me. So I'm just going to move a, a, away um, from the uh, specific site uh, to prevent the dog from causing too much interference here. But in any case, be it as it may, our thoughts and pray, prayers to everybody who's who's got family, friends, uh, anybody in in um, in Israel at the moment. We 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 keep them all in prayer. May God be with them and all the people of Israel at the moment. And even in America, we we know of so many things happening there with our brothers and sisters there. Um, so much unpleasantness for what um you know in the end as 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 we spoke earlier on that forgiveness is is not an emotion it's a decision and so it is with life it's a decision not to be at war it's a decision not to go out and fight it's a decision we make to live in peace and yes there are times that we have to be at war to do and to defend ourselves again and our family and our loved ones against crazy people and we we have to do that we yes we understand and we just pray for these conflicts the people in the conflict and the people being hurt at the moment as i'm speaking i see a rescue boat it's got a rescue number 30 uh patrolling the shoreline just looking out for somebody who may be in distress or just doing whatever they need to do to be aware of any situation around our coastline. And it's so amazing that there are people who work these type of shifts, these type of hours, they put their lives at risk and they, they don't get paid a, a fortune but the fact that they are able to do what they do as a sacrifice to somebody else whose lives may be in danger. I mean, if you think of the storms, when there's a storm at sea, these very guys get onto their boats and they say goodbye and they don't know whether they'll be returning or not because of the waves and the storms that they've got to go through. And so our prayers are always with them as well. And our prayers are also for those people who, the nurses, the police, the, the soldiers, the people who do all these jobs that, that are life-threatening, but they do it anyway, and they do it with passion, they do it with absolute determination, they do it for the love of it. It's not just a job, it's a calling. It's a calling to serve. The teachers, what about the teachers who actually have to go out and teach the next generations, the people who are in in line with with uh, the future that's got to look after um, the people and the next generations. The fact is, these people don't get paid. They don't get thanked. They get ridiculed. They get frustrated. They get belittled. They get shouted at. They get threatened. I've got friends who are in the teaching profession, and I hear of these horrific stories of people doing things and telling the teacher man shut up i'm not talking to you or i'm not i'm not ready to talk to you or you can't tell me to do this or can't do to tell that and you know the crazy part is it's it's being allowed um and and it's okay and the 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 crazy part is when these kids go offline 
the, the, the parents come and blame the teachers. Why don't the teachers do something about it? But the teachers, when they do something, those very parents come back and tell them, don't you touch my child, or don't you speak to my child in such a demeaning way, or don't you ever, and it's just crazy. And, you know, if you think of police brutality, bru police brutality, and the criminal who's just murdered somebody, raped somebody, who's caused so much heart heartache, no, 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 that's not taken into consideration. Now, the men in blue, or whatever they call them, is now suddenly the baddies. And police brutality. How dare you be so brutal with somebody as you're arresting? The guy's arresting or resisting arrest. But he, the policeman who's doing his job to, to, to protect and serve must now first be considerate towards somebody who's not considerate to anybody else. The crazy part, I was thought about it the other day, if you think of a, a person who, who's a murderer who goes and kills somebody, um, do you want to tell me that as they're they busy killing or, 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 or slaughtering or doing these terrible deeds, that the person, the victim, does not scream and plead and ask, please don't do it, mercy. And yet those very guys, when they end up maybe getting caught one day, would actually ask the court for mercy. They would be pleading for forgiveness. They would forget what they did to somebody else who was innocent. And they, their acts were merciless. And suddenly they want mercy. And then once again, the, laws, uh, the, the law is on their side because you, you cannot... Uh, do certain things without first notifying by law this and this. It's a crazy system. No wonder the world is in a mess because there's lawyers who will come to the defense of these people who will sit and scrutinize things for hours and weeks and days and try and find some legal jargon loophole that will set this person off on a technicality. And then guess what? The system is blamed. The police officer who was involved in the arrest becomes the villain. The police department now gets sued for millions of dollars to compensate some thug who got what they justly deserved but now, on a technicality, has been set free. Now the crazy part is, this is life. This is 2023. This is what we, you and I, as citizens of the world, have to go through. We've got all these laws and rules that come to play that you can't say things in, in, in public. You can hardly think it out aloud. But yet, the very thing that you can't say or act against, those people doing it can do it anyway because they've got rights. Now, what about my right? What about my right that I can decide that, hey, that's a male. It's not a female in a male's body, but that's a male. And now, because I said, hi, good morning, sir, I will now be ridiculed for being a person 
who have no conscience, I have no uh, feeling towards somebody else, because that person is actually, although it may seem to be a male, it is not a male. What? Where are we? What are we going through at this point in time? Future generations, I shudder to think what they've got to go through in the future, if this is where we're heading at this point in time, where, wow, you can't say what you, you want to or need to say. And how often is it that you need to be told that you're not in line with something, you are not doing something lawfully, you should not be doing it, but you can't say it because the fear that you may be nailed in a court of law for doing something that will be offensive or deemed to be offensive to somebody else. So yeah, that's 2023 and beyond. I wonder, I shudder to think of what the future lies or what lies in the future. However, I have the peace of knowing that I know that God has the future and I know where the future lies in His hands. And you and I as fellow believers, we need to hold on to that truth and that promise that God says that with man it is impossible, but with God there is nothing impossible. So we will go out and do things and live the way that God would want us to, to live a life worthy of His calling and not fall in line with what's happening in this world. We are reminded in Scripture, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, you know, many a times we look at the situation in this current crazy world we're in with the wokeness that's happening, the ABC people walking around, the alphabet people, ay, 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 there's so many different ones. And the church is silent. Our priests, our archbishops, our cardinals, they're silent, they're quiet. And you think to yourself, what happened in generations gone by? Those very saints that we call as saints today that were martyred and killed and brutally, brutally tortured until death for their belief or the, them standing on something that they, they were refused, they, they refused to give up on. They were prepared to die for it. The streets had blood in it, their blood, innocent blood. And yet, today, we do not we just rather conform. We do not oppose anything lest we get punished. And I think that the church has a, a moral obligation, not just to, 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 the, to the citizens of the world, but, but to God, that we cannot allow this to happen. We've got to stand up and speak out. And that's all I can say. We've got to stand up and, and be counted. And as it's reminded in Scripture once again that all of creation is waiting in great expectation for the sons of God to be made known. And what a day it will be. to that, Ivan. Uh, sorry, Carlos, you go. I said amen to that. So... Uh... Yeah, I, I'm able to say something now. So, and actually, the timing is perfect because it's top of the hour. And this is basically when I share about the Gospel Minute, um, the Gospel coming up. 
And it actually ties up with exactly what you've been saying. Because this weekend's gospel from Matthew is about um, Jesus uh, was asked by, uh, they were trying to set a trap for him. And they asked him, what is the greatest commandment? And basically what Jesus did is he summarized the Ten Commandments for him. And the first one is obviously God, love your God with all your heart, mind and soul, which covers the first three commandments. And the next one was love your neighbor as you love yourself, um, which covers the, the, the seven, uh, the last seven commandments. And just listening to what you're saying about the, you know, the atrocities that's happening in Israel, there's no love of neighbor there. It's all about hatred. It's all about vengeance. Um, it's like seeing red. And that's not what Jesus calls us to do. Jesus calls us to love our neighbor um, and even to love ourselves too. And sometimes even people struggle to look in the mirror and they see themselves and they're not happy with who they are. They want to change who they are. Um, but also society tells them that they need to change who they are. And so you're just not happy. I mean, the Lord is saying, no, love yourself, love your God, love your neighbor, and all will be well. Um, and, you know, we might not be called to like everyone, but we definitely called to love everyone. And uh, there's a massive difference with that. So let's take this teaching from this weekend um, and, and, and this love that Jesus wants to so get to us. Imagine, we, we know, we say, oh, but I can't love that person, I can't love that person. What if Jesus says exactly the same thing? But he doesn't. Why? Because he loves us. Just as we are, even as sinners that we are, and even um, even things about, we're still going to do and things that we've done. Um, he, will still, he still loves us. And he would die on the cross over and over again to each one of us. Um, so think about that. Um, but yeah, that's the Gospel Minute for this week. And uh, Ivan has been really, really awesome listening to you um, as you've been going on there. And uh, it's, it's amazing. So, yeah, that's the Gospel Minute, brother. Thank you, Carlos. That's amazing. So, whereabouts are you now? Are you now? Um, uh, I'm in the city. Uh, I'm, I'm, at, I'm in the Port Authority, the bus, the bus uh, where the buses come out in New York City. And I'm going to make my way to my client's uh, facility in the next couple of minutes. That's amazing. Well, thank you, Carlos. It's it's been in, an absolute pleasure to to have you in the background. I know that you've been listening. Uh, there was times that you could not speak, but you were listening, and that's always nice. <laughs> it's comforting to have somebody in the background, knowing that somebody's got your back somewhere along the line, eh? For sure, for sure. That's that's what it's all about, man. And so has the sun come out yet uh, in America now? It's, it's peaking. It's still a bit rocky and it's peaking <laughs> You know what I find amazing? I don't know if you realize that in the Cape right now, just after 4 a.m., about quarter past half past 4 in the morning, the sun is starting to peep. The light is starting to come out. And at night... The, the sun goes down here about just before 8 o'clock, quarter to 8 at night. So you've basically, it's, it's, it's a long day in the Cape. And no wonder, you know, when it comes to 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, the sun is just like still 
midway, you know, halfway in the air, you know, <laughs> and people are already getting ready to go to home. And um, it's so funny. We've we've got somebody who works along with us, and then they they packing up and uh, getting ready to go. And you're like, where are you going? You've just you've just got to the office, man. And meanwhile, they've already had their whole day at the office. Um, it's just that. The weirdest part is that the sun just doesn't seem to go down here. And uh, how we are so used to the sun basically giving us the time. Okay, it's now time to go home because it's nearly getting dark. Meanwhile, here in the Cape, it's really, really um, a, a long day. But, you know, getting back to the Cape and the weather and the, the fantastic venues and places to come to and to visit, uh, one of the things is there's this amazing wine routes, and there's so many wine farms around. And I can tell you, I suppose the guys who visit these wine farms are absolutely thankful that the days are much longer than, uh, well, the sun is out much longer. <laughs> and you can have a little more wine tasting. Uh, good stuff. I've actually got a place that I found, um, it's about 100 120, 150 kilometers away from from a Cape where I'm in, in the Cape. It's also still part of the Cape province, but it's a wine for a farm called Luk. Um, well, it's in a place called Lukov, uh, as spelled L-U-C-K-H-O-F-F. And it has got the most amazing wine, and it's export only. You can't get that wine in the actual bottle stores. It's only available at the uh, farm you've got to go to. Or you can uh, buy it via uh, the uh, online shops and stuff like that. But it's for export only. Um, so it's been phenomenal stuff. I'm very thankful that I'm getting to, not that I'm a, uh, a, a big drinker, but I do enjoy wine. I enjoy good wine. I enjoy the the goodness of what the Cape is very well known for, which is the goodness of the wines, the good 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 old grapes, and um, yeah, it's it's world renowned stuff. I I will definitely share some great wines that you guys can in the future look at. Uh, if you're ever around South Africa or if it's on the export uh, items that I've just spoken about, the wines being exported out, uh, you can actually look out for this. Uh, it's great stuff, great wines, great, uh, great food actually. And uh, yeah, if you're ever in the Cape Town area, you definitely have to make contact with me. I will be your guide and I will show you around. I will... Definitely, there's so many places to come and see. But in the meantime, I'm enjoying this beautiful scenery. And then in the sad, sad reality of knowing that right now in Israel, there's a war going on. And I don't think it's going to end very, very quickly either. And the saddest part is that there's always different opinions, different opinions from different people. Depends on which side of the fence you're on, like somebody the other day on one of the groups um, was was uh, 
very vocal in saying, yeah, it's easy to talk now that Israel's been attacked. But when the Israelites do this, nobody seems to do that. Nobody seems to talk. And I said, hold on, hold on. Irrespective of what side you're on, I have been in the military myself and I've never cut off a child's head. I've never gone in a, a defenseless person, a woman, a child, an old man, and just slaughtered them for the sake of slaughtering them because they're a different person or a person that is on a different uh, 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 religious path or don't believe what I believe. I don't do that. I'm sorry. We don't do that. And so, unfortunately, we will have this type of uh, comments from people all over the place, uh, obviously pro-Palestine, uh, anti-Israel, or pro-Israel, anti-Palestine, whatever it is. The fact is, the truth be told, when it comes to war, the casualties of war is not politicians or their families as much as it is the normal person in the street, the innocent person, that person who's got nothing to, to fight really about, to think that there are people out there making money out of the war effort, and it's in their own interest to keep a war prolonged and just going on and on and on. Why? Because they're making money out of it. I just don't believe that life at times, it, it makes me sad to think that there are people who do these type of things and the way they do it. And, and only in hindsight, one day you hear that there's, oh my word, it was something somebody did because they made money out of it. So I think that we need to get back to the point in which we need to stand our ground. When something's wrong, surely it must be wrong. And we need to voice it. And we need to stand up for the truth and be counted and not in our name. You cannot be doing these type of things in, in our name or in our presence. Where are the fathers of the world? Where are the fathers in the communities that stand up and say, no, you will not be doing this. We all know about drug houses and the people who are selling the drugs. And yet it's happening in front of us and we don't say anything. Why is that? Why is, why is the silence so much? And it's the majority of us being silent. And it's the craziness of the few that puts this whole world upside down. And I think that's where we need to get to a point of understanding that we have a very, very important role to play. In this time, we've been created for a time like this. We are here right now designated specifically for a specific task. And I do not believe it's the task of shutting up and being silent, but rather to stand up and say, no, guys, we can't, we can't allow this to happen anymore. And when people say things, but because it's a family member, we shut up, I don't think it's a good thing either. We need to be able to say what needs to be said, and people need to hear what they need to hear. And let the truth be the truth, and lies will always be a lie. And that's what we've got to stand with. And, and, and all I can say is I'm sitting here on the ocean. I'm overlooking the most beautiful, spectacular scenery. And it's so peaceful here. And to think that somewhere in the world right now, 
somebody's crying, mourning the death of a loved one. Somebody is upset because of the way that things are happening around them. Somebody has got no food to eat. Somebody's got no house to live in. Somebody's got so little and somebody else has got so much and yet the whole world just keeps on going. Somebody said the other day that there's enough food in the world to make sure that nobody ever goes hungry at night, that there will always be food to eat, that there is enough money in the world for everybody to have a proper decent place to live and to stay in peace and harmony and to have a place, an environment to raise your children in without having the fear of some intruders or craziness happening around us. So yes, we as, as believers, followers of Christ, we need to really do a lot of introspection and start actually questioning our silence or the way we see things and the way we act out of things. And we need to be able to get to the point of saying, let our yes be yes and let our no be no. But this whole thing of sitting on the fence and being lukewarm because we just don't want to speak out. Because what would one person do anyway? Hey, one person can make peace. One person can make a war. Hitler showed us that a war could happen by one person and their crazy ambition to control the world. And there are peace, peace talks going on right now that needs to be sorted and peace needs to come. But by being silent amongst this craziness, you and I are playing into the hands of these people causing these atrocities. And, and I don't think we can continue with that any longer. We need to stand up and, and be vocal about it. And, and, and that's it. That's exactly what we need to do. Somewhere in the world right now, somebody's on the farm, busy farming, making sure that people will have food to eat in the coming months. And to think that somewhere and somewhere in farmers have to be on the alert that somebody might be able to attack them in South Africa because of some craziness. So it's it's just such a, a, a crazy environment to live in where things are said and done and nobody actually acts on these things. And I'm sorry, we cannot be silent anymore. And we will have to give an account of our silence one day before the Lord. And I, I really would like to encourage our listeners today, wherever you are in the world, let's, let's stand up and, and stand for something. Because if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. And that's not what it's about. Life, life for future generations, for the sake of future generations, we need sane people to stand up and say, no, not in my name. We can't do this. And that's what we've got to do. So, when last did you do something different? You know, the other day I was speaking to my daughter, who's just become uh, the latest uh, what, a member of a, of a beautiful 
yacht, one of those super yachts in America. They're at a, at a show at the moment, I think it's in Fort Lauderdale, um, where it's a boat show for people to come and have a look to see what type of uh, vessels are available for chartering purposes, etc. And um, they're out there and she's really having a great time. And I've encouraged her to, to make a journal, to write down what she's experiencing so that she could share it one day with other people who may have dreams of doing, becoming a hostess or becoming a deckhand or doing something that they would like to go and experience life in a different world, in a different continent, in a different environment. And, you know, once again, it's, it's, it's in scripture, it says, write down the vision, write it down, make it clear so that future generations could actually come and run with it. And that's what I encourage you to do. Find something different to do. Let's do something positive. Let's go out and change the world. Give a smile next time instead of a frown. And let's get back to where we ought to be and make a stand. Stand for Christ. And until next time, God bless you. Next week, same place, same time. I look forward to seeing you guys. Goodbye, America.